HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Many people in our food community have been seriously impacted by Superstorm Sandy, and our hearts go out to them. At HRN, we've been covering these stories since the storm hit. To learn more, visit our website at www.heritageradionetwork.org. My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super-duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border, coast to coast, and all the ships at sea. Streaming live from the County of Kings, Brooklyn, New York City, on the Heritage Radio Network. Are you ready for the fastest half hour on the internet today? It's the Mike and Judy Show. Spanning the globe for high-minded hijinks and low-brow kicks to bring you the best in sex, drugs, rock and roll, and nuclear fission. They're too bad for radio and too good-looking for television. And now, here they are. The Nichols and May of the Now Generation, your hosts, Mike Edison and Judy McGuire. Hey, Mike. Hey, Judy. Great to see you. Nice to see you again, too. Last time we were here was election night. That was I was a little subdued because I was very scared that night. You, I never saw you so worried and fretting so much as you were I know, I last told, Tuesday. I told you from the beginning. I was like, I can't be co-host. I'm too <laughs> tense. I, I'm not in the mood for this election at all. And how did it work out for you in the end? It worked out okay. It did work out okay. The right yeah. guy won, but uh, it was it was crazy. Uh, like we we're saying, we did the three hour election broadcast um, on election night, um, which is now, by the way, up on the website and as a podcast. If anybody missed it, we had a lot of music and comedians and uh, some pretty crazy commentary. But the most insane thing was we finished at eleven, and I walked into the bar, and they were announcing Barack Obama is the winner of the of the election. At Done deal. T- at ten after eleven. Yep. Which I thought was crazy. If they, you know, if they called it at that early, when did they really know? Like the people on the ground, and I was just kind of wondering, you know, what's the real TikTok? Uh, gee, Governor, you better get start, get ready to give your concession speech. Yeah, he's, uh, maybe, I don't think he's ready for, to do that yet. Still. Yeah, well, it took him a while. Well, Obama just finally won Florida like yesterday. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thanks to Sarah Lee. I think yeah. your your mom, Sarah Lee. 
might have come around. You might have swayed I, I, her. I, 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 I really, really tried, and I tried to, you know, like I, I always say, you know, Judy, you know, these op-eds in the Times and whatever uh, is on MSNBC or Fox, no one's changing minds in that big way by hitting everybody, you know, with a shotgun blast. You need a, you need a rifle shot to do this correctly, um, because pick them off like a sniper. Well, change one mind at a time is the only way I think it works. Is I think everybody's just sort of in lockstep, and you know, and the choir is dancing to the band, and it's and it's like that. No one's going to listen to Fox who is a liberal and be convinced to vote Republican and no one listening to Rachel Maddow is a Republican who's going to be convinced to vote liberal. But, it's just reinforcing it, what they already believe. It was really fun to watch Fox after they declared the winner. You, that, mean, that you, was mean, the, you mean the part when Carl Rove's head exploded? <laughs> so, anyway, we've got two... We have a politician in the studio. Our first politician ever. This is awesome. And his name is Wrestler. We have had wrestlers, though. Yes. We've had other wrestlers. Superstar Billy Graham. Yeah, you're on. impressed, huh, Lincoln? Oh, we've got Lincoln Wrestler <laughs> in the studio today, who is sadly the former Democratic State Committeeman of the 50th, 50th Assembly. I probably screwed that up. Oh, we can't hear Lincoln. Oh, no. Lincoln, you on there? I think so. Um, no. So, um, anyway, Lincoln, and- the firebrand that he is, he is the Republican <laughs> Party's worst nightmare. And also, we have uh, Amy Nicholson, who is um, the director of the new uh, documentary. Um, the Zipper, Coney Island's last wild ride, which I saw last night and can testify that it's fantastic. And guess what, Judy? I have presents for you. Oh, my God. So I brought you, this is from last night's thing, I brought you some <laughs> some candy buttons, okay, oh. which are like the most druggy of all candies. Who knows how to right? treat a friend? Right? So wait, there's some candy Thank buttons. You. Wait, I have some salt water taffy for oh, you. I can't eat that. Just don't even give and it to me. A sucker. An all-day sucker. Some, some can- Coney Island candy courtesy of uh, Amy Nicholson and her new movie, The Zipper, which I loved last night. Amy, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, um, so, so um, Amy, tell us a little bit about The Zipper. Um, what, what provoked you to, <laughs> to make a whole movie about one little ride? Is it just about one little ride, Amy? It, it, it didn't turn out to be about one little ride, but it started out to be about one little ride. Um, yeah, I, you know, I... I grew up in Maryland, and um, I always say I grew up, you know, middle-class white trash, and there were, you know, there was always a carnival in the summer, there was always the Maryland State Fair, and um, and the zipper was my favorite, and I'm, I was a teenager in the 70s, that's how old I am, and, um, you know, you went to Spencer Gifts and bought your black oh, posters, and then Spencer you went on the zipper Gifts. and threw up, and yeah, <laughs> love Spencer Gifts, yeah. and so... So that was my world, and um, you know, my my mother also stupidly let me live in Ocean City during the summer, and and I made Fun. t-shirts. You know, I made t-shirts that were like those plastic iron-ons where it said, you know, firemen have big hoses and things like that. So, <laughs> you were um, like a, you were like the Snooky of the seventies. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and so I loved the zipper, and I saw an article in the paper that it was leaving Coney Island, and I thought, well, I'll make a little homage to it. And then it just turned into this big political film. Because wh- why? Did something happen in Coney Island? Lincoln? <laughs> <laughs> we had a major rezoning pushed down our throats in Coney Island. And the community fought tooth and nail against it. But uh, unfortunately, the developers and Mayor Bloomberg won yet again. And this is, this is the story of uh, Amy's film, really, is the, re- the rezoning and the redevelopment. Um, but I think we'd all agree that Coney Island was in sore need of a makeover. I mean, it couldn't stay the way it was. I mean, it needed, at the very least, a fresh coat of paint. And I, I'm you know, really understating it. It definitely was being uh, underused. It was under-optimized. It was definitely decaying. And it was charming. And we liked that. You know, and that's good. But it definitely needed an, an overhaul. And the question is, why couldn't they get it right? Well, I, my opinion is um, you, people who wear suits to work should not decide what's cool. 
<laughs> well, so that's the dumb version. That's my dumb well, not, version. Not all, pe- not not all, all people. Not all people. But, yeah, but people. I know. I know. Well, that's because I'm kind of my dumb version. But um, I think there, and I, I, I say that and I take it back a little bit because I think there, there are some people who understand what's cool about Coney Island. But when you set out to monetize the cool, that's when it all falls apart. When you want a Dave and Buster's. When you think Dave well, and Buster's is a great idea for when Coney you Island. talk about Coney Island well, as a brand. Well, that was to Well, me. Brooklyn's a brand now, right? Oh, I know. That was a telling moment in the film was when Dominic Recchio, the, the councilman, who was really pushing for this, and he says, I want to take my family to, you know, to Coney Island. And I, I get it. There's no you know, family's restaurant-style restaurant there. He goes, we need an Applebee's. And that's the point where, to me, the ball just rolled right off the fucking table. It's like, dude, you really don't care. And there are family restaurants. Totono's there. I mean, you mm-hmm. can have delicious pizza there. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe not as good as Roberta's, but close. Yeah, Coney Island is the place <laughs> that everybody in Brooklyn and beyond went to to enjoy a summer day. And this was a redevelopment, a rezoning that was paid for and uh, in the interests of the developer that owned most of the property there, Joe Sitt. And why his best interests, rather than the community's best interests and Brooklyn's best interests are being looked out for, is a question that the that this administration, that the mayor should have to answer. Well, this to. is Mayor Mike, and he's always, he always seems to come down on the side of the developers. It's not just Mayor Mike, either. It's every mayor in the history of New York City, I think. right? Isn't that where the city lies? It's bringing money, more tax revenue, more tourists. Yeah. But and Bloomberg has completely, really changed, at least Brooklyn. He, I mean, nobody can even afford to live in Manhattan anymore. Brooklyn is... It's the second most expensive place to live or That's in the exactly world That's exactly right, something. as a county in the country. But, you know, in this city... The real estate industry is king, and their money is more influential than any other industry in town, and the mayor has consistently, more so than any elected official in recent memory, has looked out for the best interests of big real estate developers every single time. And we've seen 40-odd neighborhoods totally rezoned and redeveloped as a result of policies of his administration, which will dramatically change the face of this city for decades to come. No, and the truth is the impact is it makes the city less colorful, less vibrant. Um, I mean, no one's really for crime. I get it, but there should be some tension here because at affordable housing, because that's what creates good art and that's what attracts people like us. Like, Judy, you and I, we came here because the people that we're trying to get away from in our middle-class, trashy New Jersey upbringings were exactly the kind of people who didn't come to New York City. Yeah, they were, now, even though they only lived a half an hour away, they would never. They were them. always pointed in, in the other direction. And yeah, now that it's all Dave and Busters and, and Ripley's, you know, believe it or not, and Madame Tussauds, you know, I mean, no one I know who lives in New York goes to 42nd Street. No one. No oh, one. I, avoid it like the plague. I had to go there for work this year, and uh, it was really, I hadn't really explored the area in quite a while, but I was reviewing all these hotels that are down there, and they're still all our seedy hotels, you'll be relieved to learn. <laughs> um, and I had to look at them. But yeah, yeah it's, it's a tourist mall you want to stay away from. Mm-hmm. And why would you want to come to New York to go to Sephora? It always you know? boggles my fucking mind, but people come here and go to the same Dave and Buster's that they have in Minnesota, in the, in the Mall of America. Well, I, yeah, there's so many there's there's so many things wrong so, with that. That <laughs> so, so, and he wasn't there way in your whole investigation of this. And, and look, you know, uh, Joey said he's got no taste. Dominic, unfortunately, is without taste. Um, Mara Mike, you know, I guess the last good thing he did was date Diana Ross. You know, I'm pretty fucking fed up with that. And that I'm really I'm really I'm really down on Mara Mike because that third term thing really pissed me off. That yeah. really really yeah. for whatever reason he's I made, really used that third term to completely. Kill to New fight York big too. soda, mm-hmm. but um, is, is there a way, like though, to to, to clean it up and, and polish it up and spit shine it, and make it a little bit more um, expansive, and, you know, friendly to people who just you know, aren't local and make it a destination without having to kill the freak? 
I think so, but you know, I, yeah, I, I can't. I can't be the person to say I know how to do those things. I I don't know how to do those things. There are people who you know go to school for many 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 years to learn how to do those things. I'm just a dumb filmmaker who walks around the streets of New York like everybody else and notices that there's a bank on every single corner, and. You know, is there a way to do it? Yes, probably. But could you maximize the money you were taking out of that land? Probably not. And that's where it all starts. I mean, the economic development policy of the city is to encourage development. So the reason that development has been so rampant in this administration for the last three terms is because instead of waiting for developers to come to the city and say, I would like to build X and such here, and I would like to change this zoning, and going through the public review process they just went ahead and changed it for the developers. So it was a very big shift when the Bloomberg administration came into power. Very big shift. And they the, just said, let's just go ahead and do it. And then, lo and behold, everyone will build as much as we let them. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly right. And the type of development we've seen is consistently luxury housing. Yeah. Yes. Rather than affordable housing. Yes, and the affordable housing has always been this big platform that, you know, gets thrown around and jobs, 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 jobs. You know, you hear jobs a thousand times. Like Barclays Center. Yeah, but Where the, are the, affor- jobs? the affordable housing is always, an, at least in, in most cases from what I understand, is an option so that the developer can build even higher if they include affordable housing. And how they determine what is affordable is, you know, it depends on the neighborhood. And I mean, so an affordable house could be someone who makes $75,000 a year. Even more, over $100,000 yeah. a year mm-hmm. could so. be determined as affordable mm-hmm. housing. So it's called affordable housing, but that's a very elastic term. I right? also liked how some of the, I looked into some of the affordable housing in my neighborhood, and it would be like um, a $300,000 home, but you can't make over $45,000 a year. <laughs> right. Like, Who's paying the mortgage? <laughs> okay. So, well, well, uh, Jim, How's that going to work? You, you live at the epicenter of hip and cool in, in Williamsburg, but you've been there for a long time, and you've seen a change, and you've seen uh, it being rezoned and redeveloped. And What's the impact on, on your day-to-day life? Well, I'm lucky that I'm a freelancer, and I don't have to commute, because the commute on the L train is hellish. They they put they brought in thousands of people without the infrastructure to to like really support it. Uh, you can you can get a drink anywhere in Williamsburg. That's not overrun because they open bars like crazy. But on every single corner. Yeah, I mean my my corner, which used to be a kickboxing school and a um, and a social club, <laughs> <laughs> which did not cater to outsiders, is now like a bar and a restaurant slash bar, which is mostly a bar. And that's in a quiet little corner. And we have you know condos going up all around me. You know landlords are sort of allowing their buildings to get ripped down by the people putting up the buildings next door so then they can get the buildings condemned and put in more condos. And I just don't know how they have enough rich people to fill these places because nobody I know can afford like three quarters of a million dollars to spend on a one-bedroom apartment. Well, that's the thing. It's nobody we know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a provocative question. I, you know, in Williamsburg and in Greenpoint, our community has grown more rapidly in terms of population than any other part of Brooklyn over the last decade. And just as you say, Judy, the city has failed to make the infrastructure investments in mass transit, in park space, in schools, in sewer systems that we need as a community. And it's unacceptable. But I think what's interesting is as we've, what we're seeing is the return of white flight. The, com- the young adults that might have gone to the suburbs 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago are choosing to settle down in the city. And we're seeing this bubble that's grown from outside of Manhattan and is stretching across into Brooklyn and western Queens that, is, that essentially consists of neighborhoods for rich people. 
And yeah. that, that is what the outer boroughs are becoming. I mean, when That's you gonna, why we have when an olive oil store now. An olive oil store. So you're so lucky. <laughs> Just olive well, oil. You, know, it, it, you know, it sounds like, like a New Yorker cartoon. <laughs> you know, an olive oil store in, in Williamsburg. I'm sure it's artisanal. And, and you know, you know we, we've talked about be. this, though. I mean, we remember when Williamsburg was over on North 6th Street, where there was a recording studio, Coyote uh, Studios, and used to make records there in the 80s. All that was there was the Polish butcher and the beer distributor. And if you wanted any other supplies um, or food, you had to walk all the way I mean, to Bedford and then around the corner. It was a long-ass hall, so we had bunker mentality when we went there. And now on that street, there's an American Apparel, there's some art galleries. It's it's crazy. It reached a saturation point where I mean, I'm all for progress. And, you know, as, as I always say when we have this conversation, the people who protest change tend to be the ones who affect it the least. You know, and you can't stop the progress. It's New York. It's always been developed. Greenwich Village went that way. Soho went that way. The East Village went that way. And not always for the better, but not always for the worst either. It's too easy to cast developers just as the evil railroaders, Jack Palance and, you know, and Shane chasing everybody out. But it, I agree. It's really hit a point now where the city has lost its soul. And it's like... I don't, it's not what I what I bought into. It's not what I bar- bargained for. I think that's exactly right. I mean, I remember when I was a kid. I grew up in Brooklyn, and I remember driving by Peter Luger's and seeing the guys outside the uh, the restaurant with guns, literally with guns, <laughs> protecting the patron, the rich patrons inside from the Williamsburg residents. Is is quite a remarkable thing to now not be able to afford uh, afford an apartment on that block. You know, and it's no longer the most expensive restaurant in, in the, the city. <laughs> Nor, you know, even on their block, right? It's it's quite ex- extraordinary how things have changed. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Mike, that change is a good thing. And we need to see development in this town to be able to address the growing population here and create more economic opportunity for local communities. But what is responsible development? And how do we meet the needs of local communities in the development process? I think in Coney Island, we saw a great example of local community being opposed to the development that was happening there. Well, it's tricky. You know, going back to your your question, can you do it and not, you know, quote unquote, ruin it? Yeah, there's got to be room in the stream zone for the freak. Yeah, that becomes the question. And I think it depends on how you look at it. And if you look at it in this sort of wholesale way... You know where you're thinking. Well, you know there 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 will be um, people will lose out. You know there will be people who get pushed out, and that's just progress. And that you know everybody complains about that, but there's something a little more um, uh, delicate about Coney Island, if if that's the right word. Where and and I think it, it applies to a lot of these neighborhoods where you kind of want to keep the you know, the boxing place and the social club. You want to keep those places. You want to keep the recording studio. And is there a way to do it without just wiping out all of that authenticity? Because that's what ends up happening, is you end up with this wholesale, um, you know, reconstruction of the neighborhood, in, and you end up living in something that's almost like the Disney World version of the neighborhood that you move to, instead of living in something that, yeah, maybe it grew, maybe new buildings came up, but... It's completely changed. Yeah, so there has to be some. There has to be some room for the free. And authenticity is, is the word, you know, and and regionality too. You know, I mean, it's it's crazy. Maybe it's nice. I remember, like twenty years ago, 
when I start, we first began traveling to Europe, for example, and we discovered this wonderful thing called Belgian-style white beer, vice beer, and half of vice in Germany, and you couldn't really get it here. And you, we came back, it was like silk from the Orient. Oh, you know, it was like this wonderful thing, and now, of course, you get it everywhere, which is wonderful, but it gives me less motivation to go to Germany to get that beer. <laughs> you know? Only Mike would book a trip to Germany just to get that beer. But, but it was special because, you know, the German brother. beer in Germany was special, but now that it's yeah. everywhere, it doesn't matter. And of course, you know, it's a slippery slope, and that's why we end up with Applebee's and Dave and Buster's being, you know, zoned into Coney, Coney Island. There's no authenticity. And unfortunately, you know, the, our elected officials have no fucking taste. I'll tell you what, let's take a break. And we, I think we have some Coney Island memories queued yes, up, Yes, we do. We have a, a little piece of a Coney Island documentary. All right, it's the Mike and Judy <laughs> Show here on the Heritage Radio Network. Coney Island, the world's greatest fun frolic, with its beach miles long, all peppered with people. The place where merriment is king. Let's mingle with one million folks. Folks who are just like all of us. 100,000 youngsters and oldsters. All swimming, playing, or resting. All getting their share of the sun and the fun. All refugees from the city heat. Here where the beach meets the cool Atlantic. Here in this great whirlpool of joy. Here for a lark at Coney Island world's biggest barrel of fun. Some take it easy on the four million dollar boardwalk, while others snap pictures for proof back home that they really were part of this fun-seeking throng. With amusements here, there, and everywhere, it's hard to decide where to start. Rivers of humanity and carnival mood pour through Coney's many streets. Hurry, hurry, step this way, the strangest sights on the island. Freaks from the four corners of the world. What you nickels, one dime, a tenth part of a dollar. We've got the show if you've got the dime. It's just starting. So hurry, hurry, look them over, the lady without a head. There are thin ones, there are fat ones, they're all inside. Zip and pip the pin-headed people. A sample of the marvelous freaks you'll see for the price of a small thin dime. And we're back. Back with Lincoln Wrestler, Amy Nicholson, talking about Coney Island. And Amy's new film, The Zipper. You know, I was thinking the last time I was on The Zipper, I think... I think it was the last time I was on the zipper. Um, I was with your old friend, Dave Insurgent from oh, Reagan Youth. He's dead. We, yeah, he's dead. Um, oh. And we went on it together. It was because we were playing, we were in these punk rock bands. I had my band Sharky's Machine at the time. And it was such a great place to do these gigs because it was kind of divey and sleazy. Oh, Sideshows by the Sea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we play, yeah, yeah, of course. And we played there. And then it's great because after the show's over, you can go out and have more fun uh, <laughs> on the rides. And uh, me and Dave went on the zipper and I did not lose my nose ring in his uh, dreadlocks. Shut that up. Night. <laughs> <laughs> but I love, one thing I love about your, uh, your film, Amy, is. Um, Especially at the beginning, uh, there's some really loving photography, sort of um, a montage of uh, you know clowns being shot in the mouth with water and, and the shoot out the star, which I've tried and tried and tried and have never been able to do. I don't know if it can be done. Um, I'll never tell. The, k- the kayfabe of the carny, as we, as we say here. But um, and I also love the soundtrack on your film of like people just screaming. And the guy that emerged in your film that I loved is uh, Harold Chance. Oh, yeah. He's uh, who, you Harold, de- who you dedicated yeah. your film to. So tell us who Harold Chance is for people who don't know, because he's wonderful, and what he does is wonderful. Yeah, Harold, Harold Chance ran Chance Manufacturing for many years. His 
um, son took it over, and now his grandson has taken and it Chance over. And Chance was the biggest manufacturer of amusement park rides. Mm-hmm. And they still are. They still make they make they make big roller coasters. They make carousels, beautiful those really cool carousels with all the crazy you know like one's a dove and one's a monkey, and they make everything. And they're still in. Um, they're an American manufacturer. They are in Wichita, Kansas. They are lovely and great. And I had the. I had the benefit of, of being able to interview Harold before he passed away. So. I love it when he says that the zipper was the best uh, one truck ride in the history of, of entertainment. It, two guys, two hours to put it up. Yeah. Pull it in, and two guys. It was the scariest That's ride, though. It's a little scary because it is a scary <clears throat> ride. It's and it's only two ride. guys. Two it's one hours. truck. They wheeled in two hours. It's up and running. Yeah, the no. scariest <laughs> thing I was ever on at Coney Island wasn't even really a, a thrill ride, you know, like a puke ride. It was just one of these. Um, rocket cars going around in a, in a circle. It was like mildly <laughs> thrilling, but every time it went past like the three o'clock position, it went like kadunk, right? you know, and it just were like kadunk. And I was like, "Holy shit! When do you think is the last time they tightened the bolts on this?" That's thing? when you hope the inspectors have been by. <laughs> yeah, much scarier than the cyclone. Did you ride every ride at Coney? Um, no, actually, sadly, I have become extremely afraid of heights as I've gotten older. I don't know why. I, I want to get hypnotized so I can go back on a big roller coaster, um, but. Uh, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of the Himalaya. That's my ride. I could go around for hours and not get sick. Yeah, yes, yeah. Love, as I got older, I, like I got music. pukier. I like the music. My husband did that. My husband's like, get me off of here. Yeah. But I, yeah, I can go around for hours. Yeah. I love the Wonder Wheel. Yeah, and that had some problems in, in Sandy. I mean, all its electrics, I guess, got fried. Yeah, but they tested it out. And apparently, as of yesterday, it was working great. Oh, good. So, so now they're putting up a big Ferris wheel in Staten Island, right? Is that right? Can like, you know about this? Yeah. What kind of rezoning does it take to put up the world's biggest Ferris wheel? Well, it takes a rezoning that uh, surrounds the Ferris wheel with a mall. So you know, <laughs> they're going to give people a reason to go across the ferry now instead of, you know, they want people to stay on the other side and go shopping. Yeah, so that's exactly right. It's supposed yeah. to be the biggest Ferris wheel in the whole world. Bigger mm-hmm. than the London I? Yes. Even yep. bigger. Wow, because the, the reason I go to Co- to Staten Island is to go to the cult thrift stores. Mm-hmm. Have you been to those? They're, there's like five thrift Do stores tell. owned by a cult, and you go in there, <laughs> and they're really freaky, and they're overly friendly. There's Yeah, they have like clothing, a clothing one. There was this whole big Ooh, shootout go. a couple yeah. of years ago where this, this woman got mad at one of the cult leaders and took a shot at him. <laughs> Like Shit. five or six years what ago. What kind of cult are we talking about? A UFO cult? <laughs> <laughs> cult? Jesus cult? Are the clothes good? No. Oh. Maybe it's maybe it was one no. of the guys. Wait, wait, you don't go for the clothes. You just go for the, 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 the creepy cult. You go for the you go for the creep factor and for the conversion experience. Yeah. So, what do you guys think? Um, we're talking about rezoning in Brooklyn. What do you guys think about the, the new arena, the, the Barclays uh, monstrosity as it is? Is it the nightmare that everybody warned us about, or in five years from now we're going to be all saying this is awesome? The Nets are playing, and I mean, God forbid the Nets have had a winning season. But are we going? Is everybody going to get on board with this, or is it still going to be like, ah, why I couldn't believe Jay Z did this? Starting in 2015, we're not only going to have four. 41 net games a year, but 41 New York Islanders games each year with the hockey team moving in. And And how much parking is there? Well, there is (laughs) more parking than you could ever imagine at this point. There is plenty and plenty of parking because the development that had been planned, 17 35-story buildings, has all been real slow and progressing. Yeah, with all that affordable affordable housing. housing. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Promised affordable housing that, you know, we'll see if it ever gets built. But I think that was the fundamental problem with with this development. Again, it was pushed down the throat of the local community, and 17 35-story buildings in the middle of brownstone neighborhoods like Fort Greene and Prospect Heights just simply doesn't make sense. It's not contextual development. It's not responsible development. It's not meeting the needs of the local community. I think the arena has brought some excitement. I think that the traffic has been 
less bad than folks had uh, expected. We'll see as things continue to evolve with the Nets playing more and more and more events at the arena, how we're able to handle it. I can tell you that driving around those parts has become crazy because you can't make a left anywhere going down <laughs> Flatbush. So good luck trying to figure it ugly. all out. it's ugly. That thing is ugly. I can't disagree with it's you. It's like a big rusted space. It really is ugly and that's always what kills me about like, new developments. People, I'm not against new buildings, but yeah. do I really need like this glass box high rise in an old neighborhood? If you were to sum up development over the last decade is the main word well but it's just to me development over the last decade has been about building as quickly and as cheaply without any concern for aesthetics whatsoever as possible no it's about fast drying cement that's what it's about and just selling off your whatever you're building as quickly as you possibly can but that's what happens when you just when you when it doesn't when a when a neighborhood does not grow organically, right. so you're talking about the difference between organic growth, where people slowly move in, or people buy things, or they build things, or you know things develop over time and grow with a neighborhood, as opposed to just setting out and stomping down the street and saying, okay, now this one is next. So there's a that's I think that's what takes away the cool factor. I think that's what kills the neighborhood. Yeah, it's, it's, I think the only thing I've seen really the city uh, do right in, in years was the, the new Museum of Modern Art. I, I think the, I think they nailed it. I have to say, there was people who were so worried, people were but so fond the of that? the old old building. Well, I mean, somebody signed on something. I mean, you know, there's a lot of money involved there, but it's perfect for the neighborhood. The, the glass really complements the old buildings around it. It's really it fits the space perfectly. Everybody was so terrified that it was going to be too modern and, and not and lose its charm. But they they, they they nailed it. You know, I don't know if you've been there lately, but yeah. it's, it's crazy good, beautiful. You know, example of how you know new building can go into an old neighborhood and something that's so revered and make it work. I it think, didn't lose its charm at all. But I think the key is you've got to work with a local community. When you're building in a neighborhood, when you're redeveloping or rezoning a, a neighborhood, it's got to be in concert and in coordination mm-hmm. with the local existing uh, constituency. And what's happened time and again is that the city has just stuffed and shoved rezonings down neighborhoods' throats against staunch opposition and if you're not incorporating their feedback and their input and their vision you're not going to develop in the way that everybody wants to see well before we go i wanted to tell people where they could find both of our guests today lincoln lincoln is a really good guy he's done a lot for my neighborhood and other neighborhoods too he was defeated by 19 votes by one of vito lopez's toadies under like the most scandalously corrupt election my neighbor, who's been voting at the same place as I have for like 15 years, was suddenly off the rolls this year. Um, Lincoln, what's next for you, and where can, where can um, our listeners find you? Well, I'm pretty easy to find uh, on Facebook or Twitter. <laughs> He's right here at Roberta's right now. <laughs> Always. And, you know, local watering holes around Williamsburg and Greenpoint. The, uh, but I'm uh, Lincoln Wrestler on Twitter or, or Facebook and LincolnWrestler.org online. Um, but we're... I'm, I helped start a group called New Kings Democrats a couple years ago, and we're continuing to build that organization and advance progressive politics and reform politics here in Brooklyn and make sure that every elected official is looking out for the best interests of the neighborhood and not the best interests of some party boss or some big developer. Right and, on. and Amy, your movie, The Zipper, that's playing Thursday at 3 p.m. at IFC, I yep. believe. Yeah, that's the uh, last night we had the world premiere, and there's another screening at 3 at IFC. And, yeah. and where can people find you on the web? Um, we are Twitter at Zipper Film. 
Um, the main website is zipperfilm.com and Facebook slash zipperfilm. I encourage Pretty everyone easy. to check out zipperfilm.com. It's a great trailer. It's a terrific movie. Really, congratulations, Amy. Very Thank well you. done. And thanks for the candy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the candy and thanks for coming by, you guys. Yeah, thanks, Lincoln. Thanks you so are the future Lincoln Wrestler. I'm sure of it. All right, so guys, please come back soon once again for uh, Lincoln and Amy, for Judy McGuire. This is Mike Edison. We're going out. Joe the Engineer. And we're going out. We're going out. Yo, with an old school beat, right? With a trailer from Little Fugitive, which is like my favorite movie about Great Coney movie. Island. Right on. See you guys next week. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Sportsman, gourmet, slugger extraordinary, this is the little fugitive. The kid who's going to capture your heart. He's got a sharp eye for the odd chance, a quick hand for a fast buck, and he's headed for the biggest adventure of his little lifetime. An adventure that will take you from the gasping heights of the parachute drop to the secrets that hide under the boardwalk. In a revelation of life and love where there's more of it per square inch than any place else in the world. Thank you.